0: Welcome to another chapter of In the Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the Drowned God, the Motherlode. This show is all about the world of first-person shooters, their legacies, their lineage, and the people who keep that world turning. It is the will of the Drowned God Cathala, that our communities band together to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. our guest this week is James Paddock and what an amazing guest he was like if you're not familiar with him he is absolutely prolific in the world of doom I, I can't say enough to praise this guy like he's just a Renaissance man of the genre of the of the game hustling all the time an incredible musician he is the MIDI guy like he's done soundtracks for so many amazing projects not the least of them being uh, John Romero's sigil and also being like the person behind Adventures of Square along with his brother Ben, Matt Tropiano and a whole slew of other awesome people but you'll get to hear the whole the whole shebang here I'm not going to ruin it for you but just give Jimmy your love seriously give him your love give him your attention hear him out here because it's going to be a ride and I'm super stoked to share this one with you. So music this week is by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. James Paddock, and this is from the soundtrack to Adventures of Square. Hope you like it, and without any further ado, let's get in the keep with James
1: Uh, My dad had a very old computer, um, had a few floppy disks that came with various programs um, kind of uh, along with it. Um, One of them being uh, an old Windows 3.1 slash DOS uh, sequencer uh, by the name of Cakewalk Express. And uh, this program was one of the first tools I really touched, I suppose. And it kind of fascinated me to begin with, um, even though I knew not one shred of music theory uh, or how to write a song or anything of the sort, really. But it was very much something that I became quite interested in quite quickly. And uh, I think once I reached a certain level of like competency with it, I realised I was actually just hooked to this process of writing music that this kind of came very very naturally to me even if I wasn't even if I knew I wasn't writing the greatest stuff imaginable it sounded all right to my ears at the time so i knew it was just a matter of time before i could uh really um get my skills up and uh basically uh start writing my own songs and uh yeah so essentially it was uh just a case of me having uh, a, a, like a passing interest in music to begin with that just sort of gradually grew over time just because like with most things i tend to just I tend to just keep at them until i'm fairly competent at them um because I, I i i'm kind of averse to the idea of me not <laughs> of me having something and just not being good at it you know what i mean it's like i'm i'm constantly looking to improve myself and looking to uh learn as much as I can about the, th- the fields that I'm interested in. So, so when it comes to uh, learning uh, like a life skill, I would call it like music as a whole, like understanding the theory behind it and understanding how instruments work and like the scope of human playability, all that sort of stuff. I've been kind of on a lifelong mission, I suppose, to get as good at that whole thing as I possibly can.
0: So the computer MIDI was your first instrument.
1: Essentially, yeah, yeah. I I did not play anything in like high school. I wasn't in any bands. Like it's only in the last few years that I've really been interested in joining bands or ensembles. Um, I suppose my greatest exposure to the idea of being uh, musical in an actual in a social context has been uh, singing in choir, um, which I've done for which I did for three years uh, over the last yeah over the last three years as of this. Uh, as of today, so um, I'm trying to keep it going. Trying to keep the whole vocal part of myself, you know, slightly warmed up. I do sing a little bit every now and then. Um, there's not much that you'll find of mine online that has me actually singing, but it is one of my. It is like a side passion, I suppose, so separate to the um, separate to the MIDI stuff. I guess you could call me um, an instrumentalist in 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 the in in the sense that I have a vocal kind of a, a side of me as well
0: so are you talking like church choir or just like you meet up with a group of guys at the bar and do you kind of it was um it?
1: it was at my uh, uni actually okay. at my okay. university so um uh yeah I, I had a really cool choir master and uh, uh he kind of sparked my interest in that whole side of things like actually uh being in a, in a a vocal ensemble. It's a really powerful experience actually. So um I urge you if you haven't uh listened closely to um choral music um particularly like intently I urge you to do that because um some of it's just divine, honestly. It's it's uh, it's it's and it's a sublime experience being part of that. Um quite emotional sometimes as well. Um but uh yeah so it was um it was my university choir for about three years um at the beginning of this year i also joined a church choir that my um that one of my good friends has been a part of for a good few years now um and uh, she introduced me to the choir uh, to the choir master there and uh, at the moment they're on hold for obvious reasons but um they uh, are uh, they've been they've been going for about t- 10 or 11 years now and uh, having just joined i can see yeah they're a really competent bunch they really have a good amount of fun there Um, So I guess that's really the breadth of my uh, experience of being a musician in a social context is what I would call it. Um, I've also been in one rock slash metal band before, and that was last year. It lasted a very brief time, um, but that was also good fun. It was kind of a power metal-y band uh, that did original compositions. Um, I learned about five or six songs of, uh, of theirs on keyboard. Uh, and uh, I played one live show with them, and that was about it. Um, but it was good fun. So I'm like, as of this year particularly, I think what I'm really trying to do with myself is uh, find more outlets for my music.
0: Well, let's put a stamp in that for now, and let's come to the other side of you, which is how did you get into Doom? How did I get into Doom?
1: Uh, Again, it's pretty straightforward. I think it might have been that same computer that uh, uh, my dad installed Doom on. It was, I think, probably the very beginning of its lifespan. So 93, 94 is when I actually started getting into it. I would have been two or three years old at the time. So I had no idea what was going on, but I found the strange, violent images on the screen quite fascinating. Um, And, uh, yeah, so... Those old games have always been in my periphery. They've always been a passion of mine. They've been able to uh, entertain me for years and years and years. So things like Doom, Quake, a little bit of like Starcraft, some like some other like retro, I would call them games of that general era. Um, they've uh, they've always been interests of mine, and I would dare say, video games today really don't take me. It's only it's only Doom Eternal that I've recently downloaded. I would call that probably the only venture into the modern realm of video gaming that I've really uh, dived into. Oh yeah, Duke Duke 3D was another one. It was like from a very young age, I've been keen to create stuff for these old games. So for a long time, I made maps for Duke Nukem 3D. Uh, They were rubbish. (laughs) Um, I also made campaigns for Starcraft. Um, Again, those were largely awful. But I think I really picked up Steam when I picked up Doom because um doom mapping is a lot more straightforward than editing in the build editor. It's not like a hugely different experience, but it's uh, certainly like with the, especially with the tools today, it's so, so easy to make a doom map. I think anyone can make a doom map. I'm a very firm believer in that, and i've I've always been very very fascinated with the idea of creating my own world within an old video game world, essentially. So, I mean it would start I I am pretty sure I started out by like making like a making like a, a version of my house in like the Duke 3D editor or whatever as a really young kid. Um and uh probably the same went for Doom editing now that I think about it. I'm pretty sure I made at least one myhouse.wad <laughs> um with the uh, what with whatever Doom editor I was using at the time, probably Deep Sea. Um I feel like I'm In the general scheme of things, I was quite late to the party in terms of being part of the Doom community because I joined in two (laughs) thousand and six. Okay. Yeah, so that would I guess though, would you call that like the mid the midlife of the Doom community? I'm not entirely sure at this point.
0: I became Um, a member of the Doom community in like two thousand eighteen, so I can't judge you at all. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm only four years younger than you are, so. Oh, okay then. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it has been
1: going for a long time now. Um, all sorts of things keep coming out of that community. Um, I still feel like um, I was a little bit late to the party, as it were, because uh, I, I wasn't properly making maps for a long time. Um, I dabbled a bit in, in the odd multiplayer community project here and there. It was actually, it was actually the uh, Skulltag forums that I joined up to begin with. Um, Uh, And uh, the Z Doom forum shortly thereafter, and then Doom World, I think it was. So, um, I mean, of those three, I was definitely the most active on Doom World, uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, I just find Doom World like a a really kind of a good space uh, for things like discussion and critique, and like for, you know, young mappers to come forth and, you know, hone their craft and, There's all sorts of tutorials on there, and there's really helpful people there. Um, Obviously, I try to involve myself with the community as much as I possibly can. Um, And uh, I always try to really involve myself with pretty much every corner of the Doom community that I possibly could. So I started out, as I said, with the multiplayer aspect of it, making small maps um, for um, small skull tag maps for various community projects. I took part in speed mapping shortly thereafter as well. There were a scant few speed mapping sh- sessions that were held um, on the multiplayer side of things. Um, can't remember exactly what they were called or who they were hosted by. Um, the name will come to me immediately after the show, I'm certain of it. Um, but uh, speed mapping, I started uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, I got involved in music as well, uh, posting my own uh, MIDI files, again, that I'd created with, Cakewalk 3.1, or 3.02, I think it was actually, yeah, Cakewalk Express. Um, So I got involved with that, the the music side of things. Uh, It wasn't until a bit later, so probably 2010, that I really started getting involved in the single-player and uh, co-op side of things. Um, My flagship project, uh, as people probably know, was Genesis. That was uh, when I really started to pick up Steam and think, okay, I've done a bit of practicing in the multiplayer side of things. I've made little maps here and there. I've made little speed maps, again, single-player stuff here and there, but I haven't really committed to a large scale single-player slash co-op mapping project. I haven't really uh, developed my skills in seeing a big project through to its conclusion yet. And that was really one of the things that I felt was missing from my repertoire for the longest time. So, I guess since then, I've been kind of honing my craft and trying to find ways that I can see things through to their finish logically. Um, and so this this has involved like really kind of closely monitoring uh, my workflow, uh, writing it down here and there, planning stuff on paper, uh, getting uh, and uh, again writing tutorials for people who might need to get to grips with that sort of thing themselves. Uh, because I, as I said, anyone can make a Doom map. I'm pretty sure it's it's an art that anyone can undertake if they just know the right tools and they you know follow the tutorials and you know they get feedback. They don't map in a vacuum, that kind of thing, and they involve themselves with the community because there is so much helpful material out there. Um. <clears throat> so what I I have kind of striven to do, like since Genesis, I think, is cement myself as a mapper more than anything else um that said i'm also a very keen musician obviously i've got about 600 songs to my name now it's ridiculous uh but um yeah so mapping and music i guess two passions that i'd kind of twin together like if i'm making maps i'm also making music on the side at pretty much the same time i find it really useful to be able to swap between the two because There's often times where I just won't map for a good few weeks or even months at a time and will instead just write music and then vice versa. And I think it's good to have the interchange between those two uh, skills, those two practices, um, just to keep me being creative and to keep the, uh, the gears greased, as it were, just to keep me going
0: yeah well we'll go through the the short portion of the podcast where i kiss your ass and say like i've been a big fan for a long time (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh my god you're so amazing i love you like i I love your music dude like i I actually annoy people at work because i listen to like MIDI music oftentimes when you know when it's like not appropriate like i'm just yeah like it's a yeah, oh, this is my music station. I'm listening to, today. and sometimes it's <laughs> sometimes it's for shit, and it's good. It's it's it's, cool.
1: it's one of those things where people just don't listen to that sort of thing casually, which I I realize is uh, So I'm, I realize I'm in a bit of a niche there, but at the same time, it's it's such a it's such a passion of mine that you know, and I just I there's something about the the wavetable synth that the the that really gets me. <laughs> it just it's it's just such a pure sound to me.
0: But Jimmy, you're so. At the top of your game, like that, your niche, you're so up there in that niche. There, who else? I, how many other names can I really think of that are on your level? And I'm sure they exist, but for us, like for people who just spend a lot of time playing Doom or old video games in general, and like they listen to this stuff, you know, constantly, not because they listen to it all the time, but because they listen to it while they're playing games when they're not playing games it's like it's comforting it sounds like music to them because it's they're so immersed in that world that that's how it is for me
1: oh um, yeah yeah so. um like certainly um the retro style of game and the retro style of music i.e general midi they go in hand they go hand in hand so well um and i think that's why i've stuck with them for so long because i'm just i'm just smitten with the pairing of the two basically
0: yeah well, something you you said would- in your, in your monologue there was about how you, you try to provide tutorials for new people to get into this. And this is something that I also really appreciate about Dragonfly mm-hmm. is that he, he has a similar approach to things. And, and in general, I think that it's a beacon to the community, especially people who are just kind of tuning in now, like myself. or I'm sure there's going to be a lot of young people post Doom Eternal that discover old school Doom for the first time right now, as I did with Doom 2016, as a matter of fact. Mm. and they're going to find your stuff and they're going to be inspired by it and the fact that, so. yeah the fact that you guys put forth the extra little bit of effort to just be welcoming and to give them that you know that little leg up like here's what we've been doing for 25 30 years mm-hmm. and yeah. you know and and get catch them up to speed and make them feel uh, immediate not only just welcome but competent is huge and that's a service to our community that mm not a lot of people are willing to do and the people who do do it deserve praise for in my opinion.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm a staunch believer in the idea that you can't really just do work. You have to be a likable personality as well. And You have to be patient as well. Um, cause I find that if I've, you know, if I listen to somebody's music and I later find out they're really not the nicest person at all to get along with. That definitely colours my view of not just the person, but of the music. Like there's an underlying sense of, uh, I guess, trepidation, for want of a better word, uh, about listening to to, the, to their music. And um, I don't want to be listening with like a sour taste in my mouth, that kind of thing. So, when, so I, I want people to really associate my music with the person that I want to be, which is somebody who is again like helpful helpful and welcoming and is able to provide basically just love and support to whoever they come into contact with like i've always been i've always been a person who really really enjoys helping people um no matter the skill level like i think chiefly one of the um one of the reasons that i started the joy of mapping was um that i saw so many people that i really loved and respected having real real trouble in just one or two areas of uh, Doom mapping, whether that was just getting started or seeing a map through to its completion. And I was just like, there is a void here that needs to be filled. Like, is anybody actually doing live tutorials and like a- a actual like Bob Ross-style demonstrations of how to do X, Y, Z in the practice of mapping? And I-, I figured, well, it might as well be me <laughs> if there's anybody doing it. Um, i suppose i should I suppose I should start championing that idea that people can actually come to specific people uh, and like gather in a sort of community setting to try and improve themselves and I think uh, it turned out to be just a massive hit like a ridiculous number of submissions uh, uh on the last session we had which was the joy mapping six I think it was seventy two maps that ended up in the compilation so that 's discounting the ones that had to go through like a a process whereby i was like actually actually i don't think we can include this in earnest because you know you haven't followed the the submission guidelines or whatever uh, or like the map isn't finished yet or the map's actually not beatable that kind of thing um so what i try to do with that is actually put them through a fairly kind of rigorous process where they actually do see something through to its completion they spend a few days working on it not too long not so long that they get burnt out with it they play around with ideas they try not to like remove or delete anything um and they just plow ahead and they get over the finish line somehow like that's the underlying objective for me with uh, with that project
0: yeah i don't think there's a whole lot else to be put into that other than just the fact that it's good that you do it and it's good that <laughs> you have that philosophy it, there's I, I can't see an argument against it is the thing and so I, mm. The people, there are unfortunately people who are just like actively against sharing information. You know, they don't want anybody to be as good as them or that kind of thing. And luckily, these kind of open source gaming communities, whether that be DM Quake, Half Life, whatever, generally speaking, everybody's cool, or you can Hmm. pretty much count on finding someone cool to take you under their wing upon arrival. So I'm just, again, gonna say thank you for being that way, man.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not a problem. It's totally within my DNA just yeah. to be like this, I think. So I, I just do what I can. I try to just be a nice guy, essentially just somebody that people can rely on and count on to help them out in times of need um, and to just be a bit of a pillar of the community where I possibly can.
0: So let's go ahead and start digging into the content, which is way too much for us to possibly actually <laughs> dig into in this but you've you've released and worked on and and to to be fair to your website some of the stuff that you've worked on you didn't even actually list in here which is crazy some of the <laughs> so update that at some point man but like yeah you start off with genesis you go through mm-hmm. you've got uh, Plutonia's media pack you've got yep. all, all you know like the joy of mapping Unbelievable stuff here, and then that's not even mentioned in like the big elephants in the room, which like uh, you know Eternity, which was like, oh a yeah a whole day on that hmm. uh, so actually, just I would like to because we had dragonfly on, what's your point of view like what was your side of the story on Eternity? how did you enjoy that project
1: uh, it's it's been a it's been a while actually like I, could i could I remember exactly how I got to be part of that project um well i think dragonfly and i have been buddies for a, a long time now um and uh we've done quite a few different projects together uh he's mapped for me i've mapped for him we've kind of got this mutual kind of dooming relationship going on um whereby you know we are very kind of intricately aware of each other's projects pretty much at any given time now um so I think he first reached out to me because I think he was interested in uh, me mapping for Dash, And I think at the same time, he also expressed mapping for one of my other little projects, which was A Boy and His Barrel. Um, well, that uh, The funny little uh, <laughs> uh, zidoo mod whereby you carry a, a, a barrel that uh, you are friends with <laughs> through various... Uh, hazardous situations and try to reach the finish line with, with the barrel intact um so what we ended up doing was that he made a map for, for me for Boy in His Barrel and I made a map for him for Dash. and uh well, I think we were both very happy with the results and with the kind of um exchange that we had going on um and so I, I guess we just sort of became good dooming buddies from that point forward um so whenever eternity came along, I think he was probably one of the first people I contacted about that. Um, cause he wanted me to do mapping and music for him, which I was more than happy to do. Um, I was, it was a real, real good fun being, it was real good fun being part of that project as well. Um, it was, again, you probably are aware done in a pretty short space of time. Cause that guy can map fast. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, He's very good at project management as well, it has to be said. So, um, yeah, so working on that project was, was real good fun. Uh, using the uh, o textures by Yukiro was really good fun. They're just such a refreshing palette of textures, like really cool stuff. Um, very, very doomy, but also quite quakish and uh, nice, nice and finely detailed. A lot of love's been put into that texture pack, so... It's very easy to make ma- make maps with it, I and mean, you've seen probably the deluge of stuff that's been happening lately, um, with those textures. Um, and on the music side of things, um, I did what was it, five, six, seven custom tracks for um, for Eternity. Um, one actually ended up not being used. Um, there was a bit of a uh, there was a bit of a, an, an undecisiveness about where to uh, actually end up putting one of the tracks. So it's up on my website, um, but it's not actually in the final product. Um, It's a track called Citadel of Might. Um, That's actually um, ended up happening quite a few times now. I remember there was a similar case with Plutonia 2, which was, that was 2008, I think. Bloody hell. Um, I, I, yeah, (laughs) I I end up writing a lot of music, and not all of it manages to go into the final product. but that's neither here nor there, really. I don't, yeah, that's the sort of thing that just sort of happens from time to time with, with community projects. And uh, yeah, Evertonity was no exception. That was just such good fun to write stuff for and such, and such good fun to map for. Um, but yeah, I ended up really pouring a lot of time and energy into that project. And I think it really, really paid off in the end. Because I have about, um, I have one map that is entirely mine, which I think is map nine. Um, and I have another map. Uh, that I did in collaboration directly with Dragonfly on, which I think is map four. Um, but yeah, both were good. Were really good fun to do.
0: So, something I need to go ahead and say as a note here is that the way that I got in contact with you because surprisingly, Jimmy, mm-hmm. you go on your website and you click on email and it does not take me to your email, which really frustrated me for a very long time. And then oh. I finally just decided, like, you know what? I know Dragonfly knows. James paddock and <laughs> so I just messaged him I was like hey can you get me in contact with this guy and he's like he's sitting right next to me so <laughs> super cool and I'm really glad that we got that done but it there's something to be said about uh, creative relationships I think in that when you you find someone who you really vibe with and that could be in a, a band or you know with the, what I'm doing here with this podcast or what you guys mm-hmm. are doing with like the mapping and the music and everything when you find someone that you really click with it says a lot, I think, and, and it can really take you on a journey that you wouldn't have gone otherwise. When you have someone to get that can push you to be better and do better, or to like take on new challenges that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. So would you say that he's like that guy for you, or do you have several different instances throughout your kind of career with this with that sort of thing?
1: I'm definitely seeking out new challenges all the time, basically. Yeah. Uh constantly looking for new avenues to um to try my hand at. So uh whether that's Music wise, like if I dabble in a little bit of uh, like a genre that I'm not familiar with or um, undertaking like a new project, like an album length kind of project. um, The uh, 30 in 30 series comes to mind there, whereby I tried to um, uh, I tried to write uh, single MIDI tracks within 30 minutes and then just kept going with that until I reached 30 tracks total. And I ended up making three albums worth of that, so <laughs> ninety speed midis, as I call them. Um, and that was that was a lot of fun. Um, the fourth one that I ended up doing was slightly different in that I spent the month of January 2016, so all uh, 31 days of that month, just doing one media day, basically. I think for the for the for the final day of the month, I just did little tweaks here and there to the bits that I wasn't. Certain of um but yeah, I'm constantly seeking new challenges, and uh yeah, dragonfly is just a really good source of inspiration for challenges as well he's given me um he's given me a few while I've been here with him, like little challenges here and there to like, hey, take your phone number and uh write a little instrumental piece using the num the digits of your phone number as the time signature, <laughs> so I ended up doing that for him uh, that was good fun. Uh, he also showed me um uh how to like a, a video for how to write like a, a sort of metal core ish breakdown using dice rolls. And that was good fun. Uh so yeah, he and I really just sort of bounce ideas off of each other constantly at this point. Um, I've been uh I've been overseeing a map he's been doing for one of my latest projects, which is called Isolation. Um so he's been mapping for that and I've been there to see the process kind of unfold, which has been really cool. Um, isolation being a project that I just started a few days ago on Doom World to just help some people who might be suffering from the whole quarantine shenanigan. Um, uh, if they're like a bit bored, they might just want to make a really really quick map. Um, so again, that's another thing. I have quite a few different projects going on at any one any one point one would probably say too many um but um again that's just me that's just me looking for creative outlets looking for things to do with my with my time and my energy with my like creative energy that i really have to be kind of harnessing at any given point otherwise i'm just very very bored (laughs) so um yeah um yeah he and i really get along in that respect you know constantly undertaking new things together and like in a community like Doom World, or just in the doom community as a whole, basically, there is always something to take part in. there's always something to do there's always like either somebody who needs help or there's somebody who um is running something really cool that you might just want to be a part of just for the fun of it uh, And yeah I, yeah it's it's a it's just such a good community to be a part of it's it's honestly really really helped me through life in terms of getting my creativity to the point where it is and me kind of discovering my creative self, just that whole side of me.
0: Yeah, let's talk tools of the trade a little bit uh, while we're on the music subject. So are you still, mm-hmm. you're still rocking the Yamaha PSR keyboard or? What, what Actually,
1: got? no. Um, okay. uh, since moving away from Australia, I've not been, <laughs> I've not had that in my possession. Actually, since having the Yamaha PSR, I've had another keyboard, which was the Core Chrome, really powerful keyboard, um, which I'm really sad to have left behind. Um, so at the moment, I'm using just a really kind of piddly little MIDI controller keyboard. Um, I wish I, I wish I had something a little bit more substantial there, so that I could actually practice on it as well. Because I am, you know, I, people people can praise my music, but I don't think they're quite aware of just. How crappy a performer I actually am. Like, I can get the computer to do everything for me, and that's fine. But the moment you instruct me to sit down at a, at a, at a keyboard or a piano and just play something, like, I couldn't play,
0: I couldn't play fur release or anything like that. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think that matters at all. Mm. Really. It's like a matter of the, your art, At ultimately, the way that you present it and the, the yeah. intention you have with it comes across. It's like if you yeah. asked a rapper, like a really good rapper, like, yo, but can you freestyle? Like, well, probably not. <laughs> Not all of them can. That's it's a totally mm. different art for them, you know. Yeah,
1: it's it's uh it's a skill set I, I wish I had, but performance has never been quite my forte, as it were, right. <laughs> music pun. Um, yeah. So again, that's one of the things I'm kind of striving towards because I'm always trying to move forward. I'm always trying to look at like what I can challenge myself with and how I can improve my current self. Um, and yeah, it just um, it happens to cover. Basically, any creative field that I can happen upon, and again, yeah, the Doom community is a really good place for it to uh, for me to do that in. So, um, anyway, back to your original query, which is about music gear. Yeah, um, I recently got a new laptop. Uh, it's an Eraser Gaming Notebook, um, so it's a, it's a computer I can actually run modern games on, which is really nice. <laughs> I've I've been lumbered with like quite. Um, <sighs> performance gear for a long time just because i've clung to that old kind of retro feel so i even like in the even on the software side of things kate walk uh, 3 three point oh two was uh presenting me with all manner of problems because <laughs> i just because i just clung to it so religiously uh even though the program ended up not even being able to run on modern systems like past about windows 7 or something like that or windows 8 i forget it just wouldn't even run because it needs like a, I think it needs like a, 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 at most a 32 bit environment to run in. And the moment I made the transition to 64 bit, I was like, Oh, I can't run my program of choice anymore. Well, this is going to be a problem. So what I ended up doing was actually ended up downloading um, Oracle VM, I think, and just booting up a a virtual machine um, on my computer at the time, just so I could run one single program. (laughs) Um, that had its own fair share of problems because MIDI input had an absolute butt ton of latency. Um, there was a lot of lag. It sucked up a lot of my system's memory. Cause again, I wasn't using the most high end computers at the time. Like I'm pretty frugal when it comes to that sort of thing. So I don't go out of my way to spend, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of, of my, of my own money on hardware particularly. So I don't have like an like an impressive studio setup i've never really had an interest in having that i just use the tools of the trade that sort of get the job done and uh to sort of work to a certain you know level of you know expectancy i suppose so um yeah so the vm ended up kind of falling through because i started having problems booting it up and keeping it going and eventually i just caved and swapped from uh, cape walk to sakaiju which is a freeware MIDI sequencer. It's the absolute bomb. It's probably the best MIDI sequencer I've ever used. Um, and uh, I can't see myself moving away from that anytime soon. Um, so yeah, um, I've, I've got a really, really simplistic setup now. Just a gaming notebook, uh, laptop, and a really piddly MIDI controller, keyboard. And that's basically all I need. So
0: there's no like a a feel that you have, like tactile wise, where you want to you know press a key and get a certain response, or anything along those lines. It's really just for you. Like, give me, give me something like these.
1: <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm very software oriented. Like, yeah, if I go into a proper studio, like a, with a huge, huge mixing desk and gigantic speakers, that 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 really intimidates me. I'm yeah. I'm not the kind of person who can really handle hardware rigs, which is Huge arrays of like knobs and dials and levers and meters <laughs> everything, so um yeah, I try to keep it minimal, basically, I mean that kind of goes hand in hand with me still mapping for doom all these years later, um in a sense, just just keep it simple and straightforward
0: and yeah, it's like ret- a,
1: retro if possible, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's actually a beautiful thing, it's like uh people who talk about was it J. R. R. Tolkien or um mm-hmm. George R. R. Martin, I'm sorry oh where he, okay. like. He still is playing on like a DA, he's, he's writing on a DOS computer. Like he's got like... Oh, it, wow. Uh, Word Met. I can't even remember the name of it. Let's see. George R.R. R. Martin Writing Software. He's got a WordStar 4.0 on okay. a DOS computer. Like that he's, <laughs> you know, that's just he's committed to that and Fuck mm. you if you think otherwise. Like that's how he's gonna write exactly. his books. And some I of mean, the best books ever created, you know?
1: I mean if you have something that writes words for you, yeah, that's fine. That's all you need.
0: <laughs> and we're not gonna tell him otherwise. So why mm. would I I'm not gonna try to steer you in one way or the other, man. I think that if you found your system and it works for you, keep doing what the fuck you're doing because it's amazing. Like your, your heart
1: <laughs> blows mm. me Thanks.
0: Off, blows people away all the time. So mm. Let's move on to some other projects that you've worked on. Uh, there's that little one that came out in 2019 called Sigil. Uh, I think people have heard of uh-huh. that. Uh, some dude named John Romero put it out. Some guy, yeah. <laughs> but so this is an interesting, interesting uh, pro- project in particular because you're, there's your soundtrack mm. and then there's mm. Buckethead soundtrack. And mm. I'm going to be 100% upfront with you. I've only ever played the game with your soundtrack, <laughs> but I've listened to the Buckethead soundtrack many, many times, and I really enjoyed it. Like I'm a big fan of his as a guitar nut, anyway. Right, but, right. So, what was that? How did you get into that? That's got to be an honor in general.
1: God, yeah, it's it's surreal that I was reached out to by the man himself. Honestly, even now, like it's about a year on from that initial contact with him, and it was it was just surreal uh just having John Romero you know one of the guys behind one of the games that's still keeping me going today just saying hey I like your music <laughs> but that alone is just what the hell how 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 has it come to this <laughs> that kind of thing so uh, I was all too happy to um uh, to help him out uh I think he w- i think he contacted me pretty late into the development or the actual releasing of sigil even though it did get delayed until about what was it june or july of, of 2019 um but uh, it was a bit it was a bit late in the cycle and he had to finalize the assets quite uh, quite promptly i think so he had so he reached out to me he said can i use some of your music i was like sure uh <laughs> what have you gone with um he picked out a few uh, tracks of mine from uh, projects that had never really seen the light of day. So some of my, some of the midis in my abandoned folder, which is where I keep all of the stuff left over from projects that have kind of fizzled out, or like the people behind them have just disappeared. Um, so those are kind of fair game for anyone to use. And uh, he expressed an interest in, you know, taking. Uh, I think, uh, nine tracks of mine, yeah, because there's nine maps, nine tracks of mine from, uh, from that general area of my catalogue. I was like, that's, that's fair, um, but what if we went with so-and-so here, uh, for, like, map one, like, have, like, a, uh, or map two, I think it was, uh, that I, I, I threw a couple of alternatives at him, and he seemed to, uh, like those as well. He was going for something pretty, um, pretty Doom-like and pretty specific, as I recall, but, um, I think it was I think it was me who suggested, hey, here's a here's an old speed biddy of mine. How about we use this for map one? And uh, that ended up being Hate Machine, which is, I think, the track that everybody remembers most. <laughs> I've, I've seen so many brilliant covers of that song now. People actually getting their guitars and covering that song um, and uh, releasing playthroughs of the music uh, of the song on YouTube. And, uh, that's been really, really rewarding as well, just to see that happen. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, Sigil was, uh, yeah, again, quite the experience. I wrote a couple of new tracks specifically for it, namely the title music and the intermission music. Um, and, uh, yeah, cause, uh, cause John wanted something, uh, specific for those slots. Um, Which I was all too happy to do. I I think I knocked both of those tracks out in about two or three hours. It really doesn't take me that long to um, put some, to put some, to plonk some MIDI notes down and for it to start sounding good in my book. Um, So um, it didn't take, it didn't take long for me to finish that off. I threw them his way and then basically they, well, they found their way into Sigil.
0: Yeah. um, Like interactive kind of collaboration where he you know he took your your account into consideration like hey like I think this might be better and he was like yeah okay cool like mm. it's going to it's going to mean a lot more than just like if he'd just picked out a few tracks here and there
1: yeah um it was um like his initial choices uh to me felt just slightly off i was just a little bit um just a little bit cautious that um it didn't sound quite Right for me because there were some really really old tracks that he picked out um that, that, that i look back on now and i think oh do i want that in like a an official doom product <laughs> so I, yeah
0: i've got to imagine that in the back of your mind at least it's like when you know you're gonna have your stuff featured in something of that you know high profile mm. you want it to be the best like you want to really like show up for it in general like you want to be represented in the best light Oh God, so a lot yeah, of people, yeah. you know, you probably came online for them the first time they heard your name was associated with that project. So to like wow them right off the bat it must have, you know, good on you for putting in the effort because some people wouldn't have. They'd really yeah just take it, do whatever
1: you hmm. want. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I definitely want to be somebody that people kind of see as somebody that they can. How do I word this without seeming extremely big headed? I want to be somebody that people. um See as kind of a, like a a figure, like of somebody that kind of knows their their stuff, like knows knows what they're doing, knows their way around certain things in the community, so that I can be there to support them if they need it, and just a really approachable, friendly face, basically. I think that's the best way I could word it right now.
0: How the hell would that have sounded, big headed? I just want to be friendly and for people to know that I care about. That's the opposite of big headed.
1: <laughs> I, I, I just I just didn't want it to come across like you know. Uh, oh, I want to be someone people admire, you know?
0: (laughs) No, but I I think the result of you not acting like that is what's caused you to be seen in that light, you know,
1: Hmm.
0: in general. I have kind of the same sort of complex with this this whole podcast thing. It's like, I'm nobody. Like, I don't make doom maps. I've never opened a map editor. I have no interest in doing so. I'm a fan of... But you could...
1: Are you, are you just enjoying the
0: joy of mapping? <laughs> I, do, I don't care. Like, I don't want to. It's not a pursuit I want to go on. I enjoy the mm. fact that people do it and I can enjoy that and I can offer, you know, my fanship. Really, that's what it comes down to. And I think mm. perhaps I have a, developed a bit of a skill, although I started this podcast a year ago with like no idea even how to use like an, an audio editor. You know, I right. had friends help me out with that. But over time, I've found myself talking to people that I feel like I have no business talking to you. Like not just Mm -hmm. you, but like, uh, you know, I've talked to like Fred Schreiber, Dave Szymanski and I am, and it's just an, it's an interesting thing where I, I don't feel at all like I belong here, you know, talking to some of the people that I've gotten a chance to talk to. The thing is that I just want to be seen as, uh, as a, what I am is just a fan of the industry and a fan of the people who make these awesome creative things. Mm. Yeah, that's that's totally
1: fair as well. Yeah, for sure.
0: There's nothing wrong with you saying like I just you know I want to be seen as an expert in my craft, like because I I can't even say I'm an expert at podcasting or an expert at interviewing. I'm just trying Mm. to do the best I can. That's all. Mm. So good on you, man. Cool, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to another really incredible thing that you did, and I so at QuakeCon 2019, I was sitting down at a table at a bar with okay human bones, do some brand flakes and Matthew Tropiano. Tropiano, yeah. Okay. And and I was like, uh, you know, just getting to know him because I never met him before. And I was mm-hmm. like, what do you do? And he's like, well I'm working on this thing. And he's I was like, what is it? He gives me this uh this weird business card mm-hmm. that, that I'm holding in my hand right now. And it's the oddest thing. It's an actual literal square for big brick games. Mm-hmm. It says the adventures of Square on it. Okay. So I take that home. I'm like, wow, this is weird. And I go on, I don't know, what was it? Like the Z Doom page or something like that. Mm-hmm. Download it, put it in GZ Doom, boot it up, and blew my fucking mind, man. Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe how much fun I had playing through. I have played through like probably the first and second episode. In the course of maybe two weeks, I was I was on night shift and I would get off and like every every day for like a solid two week period. Early in the morning, people that watched my stream could guarantee I'd be playing through the Adventures of Square.
1: Wow, that's great to hear. So, yeah,
0: yeah I want to hear the whole thing and what a, what a crazy crew of people you got working on this too. But we'll, hmm. we'll save that for after the their initial pitch.
1: All right, so all right, I guess uh, the initial pitch would be uh, Adventures of Square. It's Doom, but um, in a sort of Saturday morning cartoon universe kind of thing, like a really kid-friendly kind of thing, essentially. Not to say that uh, the Adventures of Square is strictly for kids; uh, it's got its it's got its challenging kind of side as well. Like um, we wanted to make something as fun and engaging and exciting and challenging as Doom, so we use a lot of the same design principles within it. Um, certainly, you'll see. Um, kind of like, uh, equivalents for the the Doom Arsenal in the weapons, like the, the shotgun equivalent, and the super shotgun equivalent, the chain gun equivalent, and, uh, the monsters as well. You have your basic, uh, troopers, who are circles that you're blasting with paintballs. Um, you are a square, who has a gi- gigantic arsenal of, um, uh, paint-based weaponry, and, uh, you're trying to uh, reclaim uh, shape land from the tyrannical reign of the circles, um, who have basically um, stood up and invaded, and uh, trying to just take over the take over the world, basically. So, um, so that's I guess that's the elevator pitch. Uh, the be- uh, the beginnings of the project. God, it seems to have several beginnings. This project. So I'm just wondering if I can like pinpoint the one that really matters the most. I suppose, um I suppose it started life way, 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 way back in the form of a Duke Nukem 3D mod. Um which was essentially just me replacing the sprites um with very pixely MS Painty cartoony uh variations. Um I remember I remember replacing the one of the Medikits with a with a jug of lemonade, that kind of thing. Uh there were cows. Um, there were what else? There was all sorts of stuff. It was all kind of silly and a bit all over the place, because I was very young at the time, I don't know, ten or eleven, and I was just piddling around on the computer with uh, little pixel um stuff, replacing the sprites where I could. And uh Yeah, and from there, I sort of thought, well, I know it's a long shot, but what if I could have my own total conversion that had all my own art assets here? And I think I started by saying, what if I was to replace every sprite and texture in Duke Nukem 3D, there being thousands, of course, um, with my own stuff? Um, That failed rather spectacularly. (laughs) Um, So that project lay dormant for a little while. Um it did not feature square at the time though. Square came later. Um me and my brother Ben do all sorts of stuff together. And uh we tend to uh we tend to go quite silly with things now and then. So Ben came up with this character just by the name of Square. It was it was it was a very deliberate effort to just create a very generic cartoon character. That was just immediately recognisable. That yeah, he is what he is. He's a square. That's all there is to him, basically. Um, we we ended up um, creating a few little cartoony kind of things uh, together. Uh, together, we actually ended up animating in Microsoft PowerPoint of all things. <laughs> um, uh, so we have a few um, we have a few uh, instances of that where we were creating cartoons. We called it the Adventures of Square then. And it wasn't until a bit later that I decided, what if he was in a game? So I started putting some more assets together for that. Again, that didn't really get anywhere. Um, just because, I, again, I'd set my ambitions really, really high. It was, again, going to be a total conversion kind of thing where um, every asset was replaced, every graphic, every sound, every piece of music, all that kind of thing. And on top of that, we didn't really have, like, um, a setting for Square to be in either. Because he didn't live in Shapeland, He just lived in this plain white um, void, basically, because we didn't know how to draw backgrounds. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that kind of fizzled out as well. And it wasn't until much later that I I discovered... I I rediscovered my love for an old game by the name of uh, Lemming's Paintball. If anyone's played that, it's... um, it's not really a Lemmings game. It's got the Lemmings brand on it. But it's basically an isometric uh, shooter kind of thing. You have paint guns and you're basically a blue Lemming and you're shooting all the red Lemmings. I mean, that is essentially what uh, what the what the game boils down to. I remember really having a good amount of fun with it. It had a really kicking soundtrack. Um, I don't know if it holds up to modern scrutiny. There's a few games like, like that from my youth that I remember quite fondly, but I don't know if they really ended up playing any good um i just remember having some fun memories with them which i guess in the end is all that matters um so the idea of coupling square with paint-based weaponry kind of came out of the blue but that was a marriage that just sort of worked i think that's that's where okay the ideas finally started to fall into place for what this thing called the adventures of square would be it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a mod, it wouldn't be a cartoon series in Microsoft PowerPoint. It would be a mod for Doom. Because I was modding for Doom at the time. Um, how how what time was this? Maybe 2012, 2013 is when I actually really knuckled down and started working on it. Um Yeah, so I kind of pulled all of the ideas that I figured would work into one cohesive product as best I possibly could. Um by the end of 2013 i think i had uh, a three map demo for what i wanted to be a big uh three episode game by the name of adventures of square so i remember doing all the art assets for it um i pinched music and sound from various sources um yes yeah, it seems a bit strange to me that i wasn't writing my own tunes for music but uh, my own my own music tracks for the game back then but um yeah, um so all the art assets were mine, the levels were were designed myself, I did all the programming, um yeah, and that turned out to be a massive, massive hit. Um lots of people uh got to the uh, uh got in to playtest it for me. Um I released the demo in twenty thirteen, uh it got a pretty good reception. And then I remember being contacted by a few people uh through the Doomob forums and through IRC all expressing a really, really keen interest in seeing this thing through to its completion. Uh, so I remember those three people were uh, they would have been Alfonso, Pavera, and Matt Tropiano, of course. Matt Tropiano, of course, being the um who is now basically the project leader, the project manager, the uh lead programmer, lead voice actor, all that kind of thing. I mean, my brother, Ben Voices Square. And Matt does a lot of other voices for it. So from there, I guess the team really just ballooned. And uh it became a very it, it became very clear that we were gonna be quite um quite a tightly knit team working on this project together. And um yeah, we managed to knuckle down and I think by the end of twenty fourteen we had the first episode finished, and that was cornered by circles. So the first episode of Adventures of Square saw a release, I think, in November or December of 2014. And you know, from there we just realized we've got something really good here. We need to we need to keep going with this. Um so let me think, is that everything? I think that covers basically the whole story of Square's development from like from its kind of fetal state when it was uh sort of failed Duke Nukem 3D mod to where it is now, which is a full-on iWAD or IPK three, as it were, for um, for GZDoom.
0: It's just an incredibly ambitious project in in general. Oh yeah, being a total conversion, everything. Right off the bat, I just want to get into. So now that GZDoom no longer requires you to have a Doom iWAD, do you anticipate there being a proper like? maybe monetary or steam release for the adventures of square in the future or are you going to strictly stick to the free to play model i mean
1: (sighs) it would be nice but i think we've said one too many times that we will not ask for money for this it's uh it's really just a, a, a very very passionate project of ours um that we just love to would love to give to the community once it's done um That said, we are still kind of promoting it and treating it as though it's um, like a a really independent, large scale project, which it is basically we we bill it as an indie game. Um, We probably won't release it on Steam, though. It's on itch.io and we have our own website for it. So I think that's about as uh, indie game as we can possibly get it at this point without putting it on Steam or any of the other um, gaming stores um but it is very much its own thing it's it's very much a passion project that grew from a love of doom modding and i think that's still what it is at its core basically
0: you have said several names already but the, just to name a few extras like zazer is working on this rock right, yep. king like one of the most prolific like does anyone carry like a a mapping resume like him i don't know it's one of those names that like just comes up in conversation and people are like oh my god ugh, let me tell yeah. you how much i like like and just Cap Cap J like this this whole crew is just oh mind yeah mind blowing and I, I can we've just got, tell, go ahead go ahead
1: we've got some of the most talented figures of the business for sure that's all I was gonna say
0: <laughs> for sure like you've just drawn such a great crew I could tell right off the get go talking to Matt just how passionate he was about this project in general oh yeah definitely and, and you could feel that when you play it man like the the character design everything you said your you know your brother plays Square. You've got like this whole kind of well thought out story that's easy to follow even though it's it's mm-hmm. it's still kind of true to that doom. You know, we're not shoving story down your throat all the time. It's tells mm-hmm. it through the game. Yeah. Doctor Octagon, the circle of evil. The puns in this game are like <laughs> fucking get get out of town. Like I can't <laughs> take it sometimes, but
1: I've always been a fan of the dad pun, really. <laughs> the, the dad joke. Just for the, the worse the better, basically. That's my that's my philosophy.
0: And I mean, like I was gonna say the geometry, but even that is, sounds like a stupid pun, but just the <laughs> actual level design itself is oh yeah, mind numbing. Like how like how is this even doomed some of It's so good. I made sport for a long time of pushing cows into water on streams <laughs> for laughs. Yeah. It's gorgeous, like it really is just a beautiful artwork. I love mm. the color, the color palette, and the enemy design. Uh, we get we have to spend at least a little bit of time talking about that. What was mm. the uh, kind of the thought process behind creating this story and creating these enemies and these protagonists for you guys? And before I get into that, that's you, Matt, and who is who all is always writing the story. Um, I think. You know, uh, I think uh, I think
1: Alfonso and Zaza story side of things. So, hmm. In terms of um, I mean, in terms of the original Adventures of Square, the like the original cartoons that uh, Ben and I would do, they were just kind of silly and vapid. Um, we 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 just we just knew that we were doing something that was kind of deliberately a bit shit and basic. <laughs> so um it sort of like boils down to stuff like oh uh there's a circle and he's a bully and square teaches him a lesson that kind of thing. Um yeah, it was um uh, it was it was fun to do all that kind of stuff but um that stuff would not easily translate to um a doom like game because I mean if there's only just one antagonist how do you really how do you make a Doom TC out of that, really? Um, so, I think um, the the central concept was squares being good guys, circles being bad guys. Was kind of just hovering in my head. Um, I think I just settled on essentially let's make it like let's make it like Doom, where human good guy, demons bad guy. Where it's just a we're just a parallel of that, basically. Just make the circles kind of deranged and a bit kind of uh egocentric like they're trying to take over shapeland quite aggressively um they're enslaving the population they're building robots all that kind of stuff um they're building giant rocket bases to 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 like um spread their influence to the moon that kind of thing um and let's uh let's make let's make square appear to be The guy who's kind of just he's just had enough of all this and he's going to put a stop to the whole thing um so i guess in a way square is very much a doom guy tier character um so um yeah we we wanted to uh we wanted to present it something that was easily digestible you know for people of all ages like you're the square shoot at the circles uh, or anything that's really just like that looks uh, like aggressive and doesn't look like a square basically
0: if i may now that i know this started as a duke 3d project it makes so much more sense why square is the way he is with the because he has like oh. these crazy one-liners that just yes off all the time like that's such yeah, a yeah. good touch
1: man. <laughs> uh, part of that here's the thing part of that kind of wasn't the original um story behind square he wasn't like a wisecracking uh, FPS c- protagonist tier character at all. In fact, if anything, he was um, if anything, he was just like a voiceless character who spoke purely through his actions. Um, not like in the sense that he was just cold and calculated, like you know Gordon Freeman for example. Right, right. Um, but he was just he was just a cartoon character in like a like a really silly um cartoon world where. It was just the actions on screen that, um, that that was really all that was happening. Like none of the characters really spoke, had dialogue, or anything like that. So he was just he was just the centre of attention really throughout all of it, without really having much of a personality. the um, the The centre of Squares personality, I think, more than anyone, came from a guy called Slacks, who was um, a kind of supportive artist of the project right from the outset. So, um, Slacks was doing all sorts of stuff, uh, mainly on, uh, on our ZDoom form thread for the, uh, project's development, um, drawing these crazy, incredibly characterful pieces of fan art for us. Um, like he was, he was so smitten with the idea of Square as just this wisecracking, fun-loving, uh, slightly deranged, (laughs) um, FPS protagonist. and so, like you know you know we have, he had like a cigar in his mouth and everything, uh like uh big bushy eyebrows and um yeah, <laughs> so kind of like a kind of like a cheesy b movie style uh protagonist, i suppose he would who who also was you know uh very good at what he did um and just <laughs> a little bit again again a little bit deranged at the same time, um so I think it's from his work that we kind of developed Squares personality and his ability to like uh t- to how do I phrase how do I phrase this? It's from there that we um developed Squares personality like as an FPS, as an FPS protagonist. Some some somebody like Duke Nukem, Lo Wang, uh or whatever the fuck the redneck rampage guys are called. <laughs> I don't know. Um so in a sense, people have then compared a game to Duke Nukem more than anything else. Like, it seems to be a sort of perfectly midway between Doom and Duke Nukem kind of game, because it has, I mean, has much more dynamic layouts by virtue of uh, the GZ Doom engine's capabilities. Uh, it has a wise cracking protagonist. It has, you know, proper story that uh, is told through level design. Not that Doom doesn't do this, but I think Duke Nukem and its... Uh, its kin kind of did more with that, um, and yeah, it, it seems to have been purely thanks to um, Slacks, and with a little bit of assistance from like the rest of our story writing team. So Matt, Zaza, Alfonso, um, and of course from Ben, Squares' original creator, uh, that Square is who he is today.
0: I don't think we really get into the, the enemy design, which was our original question. So I kind of all that- right throwing you off it was my fault but Uh some of these enemies especially like the the robots that you know like you you get really satisfying i feel like it's easy to get lost in like the theme of it and the the visuals and everything and and like lose Mm. track of the the little subtle things like you know you shoot them until they explode and like Mm. just the the voice acting and behavior of everything and Uh, within Doom, I'm assuming that these are sort of like replacements for actual Doom villains, but there seems to be some really intricate playing around going on here with the enemy AI.
1: So- there, they, there usually is like a, a parallel for every enemy in Square. There is like a a, a, a direct parallel for, for a Doom monster, because I think that's initially how it all worked internally, is like this monster would replace this monster, and behaviorally they'd be kind of the same. So things like... Um, uh, the Destructinator, the final boss of Episode One, uh, was in- initially the Spider Mastermind replacement, uh, with his hit scan weaponry and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the Tritankle was the Arachnotron, I believe. Yeah, there's, there, there was all sorts of crazy ideas that we had uh, coming up with uh, the enemies for, for Square. Like, like probably the most fun aspect of uh, developing the ideas that would be central to the game. Came from the uh, came from talking about the like the, the monsters because really you can take basically any shape give it a face and give it a personality mm-hmm. and then that becomes an enemy for square so like we had things like flying around like um uh, stop signs that would like uh, block your path um, well like so they would be like the octagon enemies they'd have like the word stop on their faces all that kind of thing um we had uh enemies that would like run away i believe I'm trying to remember what those were i think at some point we even played around with having like or I, I think i played around with having like uh punctuation mark enemies like <laughs> floating apostrophes with eyes that kind of thing um that didn't end up making the cut but um <clears throat> yeah so there usually is like a direct uh parallel um, for for the for the enemy roster and square, and uh, I can tell you now that the uh, the whole reason I think that it is so satisfying to to put an end to most of the enemies is because of the explosion effects and like all the finely tuned jibbing and smoking effects that uh, like when they were initially my creation, um, but had a lot of uh, fine tuning done to them. Um, essentially, the whole reason that all the enemies in Square explode into little paint giblets is because I was too lazy to make death animations for all the enemies. I mean it's when I look when I look at it, it's like is there really any other way I could have gone about it apart from doing very boring oh the the circle guy falls over and then like I mean that's not really satisfying. Not nearly as satisfying as blowing him into little bits, you know? Um like, and, and and besides that, the art style that I went for, which was very kind of pixelated with the like and they had little wireframe limbs and all that. So it would have just been it just would have felt a bit awkward to do death animations with the kind of style that I was aiming for. Um, so what I ended up doing was I ended up getting the jibbing system out of the way first because I knew I knew that would have to happen. There, there would have to be extreme deaths in the in, in the mod. But what I ended up doing was just keeping that as the default death state, um, just because it was so satisfying, just because I couldn't see any other thing working. And yeah, that's the story of essentially how Square's um, quite unique death system came to be.
0: I just think it's fantastic, and I want to iterate before we get out of here that I just really think that people who are generally Doom fans and that look at this mod saying like, Oh, that's silly. It's for kids or whatever. Like, please Mm. at least give it a second look on, on level design alone. And that you can't, you can't top some of this stuff like the Everything is just so perfectly laid out. It's so wonderful. And everything makes sense as a, as Mm. you know, part of a a prop in the story too. So I don't think Mm -hmm. it should be overlooked just because it's quote unquote, like for kids thing. I mean, the, the main character smoking cigars. It's not for kids. That's, that's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a little subtle touch we put in there. Yeah. The adults
0: will probably like this. <laughs> I dig it, man. Uh, mm. Jimmy, you've been amazing. Is there anything else you'd like to touch on before we call it a day?
1: I mean, I've, uh, I think I've given a fairly exhaustive, um, uh, description of kind of what I do and how, how I try to do it and thing. And, uh, I would just like to say, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun.
0: I'm sorry for talking your ear off, man, but big fan. I love <laughs> your shit. Let's get out That's of
1: That's okay. No problem at all. Thanks very much.
0: All right, want to see a big... Th- fat thank you to dragonfly for hooking up jimmy and myself to do this interview that was awesome man much appreciated you're the shit and i can't wait to see more from proteus also obviously we're gonna thank jimmy for being on the show he was amazing i'm so fucking proud of this interview and just what we've done lately man we've been knocking it out of the park like with the names of the guests that have been on the show and i'm i'm personally super stoked and we're not even close to done Like we've got more that I've already got recorded and I just can't tell you about it yet. But hope you uh, keep an eye out. Actually, uh, spoiler alert. The next episode will be Matthew Tropiano, I think. So look forward to that. Also, we have a message from another Doom legend. It is Mr. Devastation. All you old school Doom 2 fans out there, there's going to be an announcement of an event soon. Not a tournament or anything, just trying to get as many people playing at a single point in time as possible. Keep your eyes peeled for more information being released this week over on DoomFederation.com. Really ask that everyone that can play does play. Get your chance to help prove that Doom is definitely not dead. XOXO Winky Face Emoji Eggplant Heart Devastation. Yeah, that's going to be a sick event. I already know what it is, and we'll be announcing a lot more details next week, so stay tuned. But, uh, you know, for now, hey, I just want to say a big fat thank you to everybody who's been supporting the show, all the new people that just got on board. I know there's quite a few of you. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and thanks for your patience and for, you know, just being a part of the ride. For all of you loyal fans out there, those that have uh, given, that have donated everything, you know what it is. You are awesome. We appreciate you. Go to inthekeep.com for more ways to support. But until next time, stay in the keep.